Well, good morning, afternoon, or evening, and welcome back to the five-day reading plan podcast. I'm Lance Ward, and I will be walking us through highlights of some of this week's readings. And always remember, you can download a hard copy of this reading plan in the description of this podcast, or you can go straight to the source at fivedaybiblereading.com. Well, we finished the next to the last week, and if you started reading in January, we are right around Christmas Day right now. Christmas is either right here or approaching, so it's a magical time of year. Um, this week's readings were Job 12 through 27, Psalms 100, 101, and 141, and Revelation 13 through 17. In Job 12 and 13, Job continues to answer his friends. He, he starts with answering Zophar. And last week, I spoke of how truth used in the wrong context is either unhelpful or inappropriate. And Job says as much as that in chapter 12, verse 3 and 13, verse 2, saying, Who doesn't know the things you are talking about? And everything I know, you know, I also know. His friends were speaking in the spirit of Captain Obvious, but as we know, what may appear obvious on the surface can sometimes be the most useless thing uttered in the context of inexplicable suffering. It's not that there is no truth in what his friends were saying, and it's important we understand this, not that there's no truth in it, but that there was no comfort in it, and therefore it was not used in the best context. So then in chapter 13, verse 4, Job calls them, what I hope I'm never called, worthless healers, admonishing them to just stop speaking because they are only digging deeper holes. They are of no comfort to a suffering friend. They are just getting to be irritating. We see this also in chapter 16, verse 2 and 3. When bad things happen that we cannot explain, we may be tempted to defend God in such situations, though, sometimes it is best to remain silent. God does not need our defense nor our explanations in order for God to still be God and to still be good. That's what I try to keep in mind in such situations, though I'll admit I've blown it. That I don't necessarily have to say anything in the midst of divine mysteries. It's kind of like social media today. If you don't want to say something on social media, you don't have to. When our 20-year-old son died three years ago, the most common and comforting people uh, thing that people said to us was simply this, I don't know what to say. I found myself replying, I don't either, but I'm sure glad you're here. Notice in chapter 13, verse 20, one thing true throughout the book, Job never stops talking to God. He continues to pray, though he is mystified by what is going on. We also see faith in the midst of agony in chapter 19, verses 25 through 27. In the deepest throes of darkness, Job has not let go of future hope. He may be hanging by a thread, but he still knows that God will not let him go. In the last chapter of this week's reading, chapter 27, Job continues to insist that all the solutions and formulas his friends have suggested, all the reasons they say he is suffering, are just flat out wrong. And useless. Their words are hollow, void of understanding. So what about us? What should we do when a brother or sister in Christ suffers without explanation or validation from God? The book of Job can be very helpful in helping us discern an answer to that. So based on what you've read so far, I wonder how you might answer that question. In the Psalms, we read Psalm 100, Psalm 101, and Psalm 141. 
Psalm 100 is short, but it's a nice little place to ask some questions like who, what, and why. Uh, For example, who should shout triumphantly? The whole earth. Who is God? The Lord. He is God. Who are we? What is our relationship to God? We are the sheep of his pasture, the creatures, not the creator. What, therefore, should we do? Enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. Why should we do it? He is good. His steadfast love endures forever. That's one of the things I like to do in Bible study sometimes is simply asking, ask those who, what, why, when, what for questions and see what all I can get out of the text from that. In Psalm 101, notice all the res- resolutions David makes. This might be a great meditation as we prepare for a new year. So you might mark this one or put something on your calendar to go back and read Psalm 101 on December 31st or January 1st as you think about a new year to come. Psalm 141 is interesting in that David first asks for rescue, but not just from trouble, but also from unrighteousness. It reminds me of what one famous pastor has said, sin is worse than suffering. David understood that. He knew that the priorities of a man of God, righteousness and holiness above all, were even a greater priority than personal comfort. God may not always deliver us from trouble on our timeline, see the book of Job, but one thing he will always do, provide ways for us to honor him in any situation and show that we are righteous children of God. As we are reading Revelation, the last book of our Bibles, it might be wise to think of it as God's last words, his final words, his final, his last will and testament, if you will, until Christ returns. So we might ask, what does he want us to know through this book? Asking this question may help us to understand why this book is so graphic and at times horrifying. It is God's final warning to all humanity to repent while there is still time, to turn away from indwelling sin and to turn to a righteous and holy God who will one day judge in ways that will shock us. He calls us to be on the right side of his story so that we may have eternal peace with God rather than eternal separation from him and from everything good. And so in chapters 13 and 14, what we see contrasts between the beasts and the lamb. The beasts threaten, but their doom is sure. In contrast, the lamb stands tall, exalted, and worshipped. Some on earth will follow the beasts. Others will follow the lamb. And as John writes this letter to us, the right choice is obvious. Follow the lamb. For if you follow the opposition, you may find pleasure now, but you will have no eternal hope. Zero. Righteousness will win. Beasts may be loud and impressive and menacing in the present age, while lambs may appear timid and defenseless. But as he is wont to do, the Lamb of God will reverse things. He will one day turn things right side up. Will you be ready? Are you on his side? Is your name in the Lamb's book of life? Reminds me of a t-shirt my family got me last year. You've probably heard the term, uh, the moniker GOAT, which stands for greatest of all time. It is often a moniker attributed to outstanding athletes like Tom Brady or Tiger Woods or Michael Jordan. But the t-shirt I got says this, the GOAT is a lamb. (laughs) Yes, he is. These will make war against him, Revelation 17, 14 says, but the lamb will conquer them because he is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. 
and those with him, the chosen and the faithful, will be safe forever. We will finish that thought in our final week as we read next week chapters 18 through 22. We're also going to, of course, finish the book of Job, and we will read Psalms 102, 103, and 150. And if you started this reading plan in the first week of January, let me just wish you a very Merry Christmas. As you dwell on the wonder of the Incarnation, that child born in the manger, rejoice that our Savior is now both lion and lamb, and He is the reason for all seasons. So Merry Christmas. We'll talk to you next week in our final week of the 5-Day Reading Plan Podcast.